I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment. Hey, every, hey everybody. Thanks for um, inviting me on this session. My name is Audrey Guerre, and I coordinate a European association uh, called LiveDMA. Uh, LiveDMA is a European network representing live music associations and representing over uh, 4,000 music venues, clubs, and festivals in, in Europe. Awesome. And uh, going down the line, I guess we'll keep going alphabetically and go to Kate Becker in Seattle. Thanks, Reed. Hello, everyone. I am Kate Becker. And uh, these days I am the Creative Economy and Recovery Director in the office of King County Executive Dow Constantine. So I am working at a regional level across the county on all things creative economy. Awesome. We'll head up to Chicago. Scott to say hello. How are you doing? Scott Fetters, director of 2112. Um, we run a 160,000 square foot facility where we say uh, any level of artist, any level of creative aligned business, there's a home for you and the resources to get to the next level. Um, and then uh, launched this last February, the Center for Creative Entrepreneurship to expand the resources uh, beyond our community. Thanks, Scott. And so um, my name is Reed Wick. I am based in New Orleans, as Storm referenced, and I work for the Recording Academy. Um, we are best known for the Grammy Awards, but we are a membership organization for professionals in the music industry, either as creators or on the more uh, pro-administrative side of the industry. And, uh, um, and while I work in the membership and industry relations department, I've spent a lot of time over the last bunch of years working in the public policy and economic development space as it relates to the music industry. And our topic, I guess, was kind of to look at... Um, how we work within our cities and our regions. And um, we had a little prep call yesterday and it just seems like there's so many different things that are going on. And I know we won't have enough time to cover it all, but I think I wanna start with Kate and you know, you, you brought up a couple of interesting things and uh, yesterday, and I'd love to hear a little bit about, um, maybe we start with your, your five state region kind of work that you're working on. And then we can also touch on some of the national stuff with, with, uh, with reps. Terrific. Thanks, Reed. Um, so I didn't mention that King County is where Seattle, Washington is. So just for reference point, that is the county that we are talking about. And um, right now, all of our live music venues remain completely closed. No one is back in business yet. Um, we are waiting for the announcement from the governor as to when general admission can start happening again. So um, those venues, as you all well know, were first to close and will be the last to open. So we've been working in a variety of cohorts to really figure out how to help our music ecosystems make it to the finish line of getting some funding and some opportunity to reopen. And one of the things we've been doing is called the Cascadia Music Corridor, which we actually started before COVID, but it has really required focus during this time when our music ecosystems have been so, so severely impacted. And so we're working with Alaska, Idaho, Oregon, and B.C., 
So we have an international component because between the state of Washington and Alaska is the province of uh, British Columbia. So we're working together to um, collect some data and figure out touring routes is one of our goals, right? If we're all opening in different phases, how do we get musicians back on the road? What can we do to support each other? Where can we connect to make sure that they know what opportunities exist for them, what to expect as they cross state and um, country lines, that kind of thing. So um, that is a, a cohort of five different regions working together in the Northwest. One question I have related to that is um, while you're talking about, you know, coordinating routing of tours and things like that, is there also coordination between the different entities with regard to the policies and trying to coordinate, you know, the governors in each region to kind of announce at the same time or share knowledge or resources, you know, maybe that kind of, you could fold that into where REVS is going too. Right. So um, frankly, Reed, there is not at this time. Early on in the pandemic, Oregon, Washington, and California governors decided they would work together on decision-making. But as we've evolved through it, they've um, they've taken sort of independent stances. So no, the government's to the best of my knowledge, I'm not at the governor's table. So to the best of my knowledge, they're not working together, but certainly within our state we are. And then we also have another initiative. I serve on the board of the Music Policy Forum and we launched an initiative last April called REBS, Reopen Every Venue Safely. And we had 11 cities involved in the first year of it, working together to really figure out how to navigate this new environment we were all in that had such drastic impact. And so we we work together. We do Friday live sessions at 11 a.m. every Pacific time, every Friday. We do office hours and different meetings throughout the week so that we can all sort of learn from each other's experience. And the beauty of COVID, the silver lining has been that people have really pulled together to raise the tide for all, right? So I know that's a cliche, but people who have historically been competitors now work together to help each other out to survive this thing. And they have made relationships that I bet will last throughout their careers. So it's really been an extraordinary time. I have to agree with that. Um, Audrey, can you give us a little um, sort of rundown on what you do at Live DMA and and maybe touch on some of the same topics that Kate brought up with regard to uh, coordinating efforts across a big region? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, LiveDMA is a European network. Uh, the network exists since uh, 2014, so it's quite young. Um, but we gathered some expertise that was um, um, relevant for, for the crisis, I may say. Um, well, so how does uh, our membership look like? Um, LiveDMA gather national associations, and these national associations represent uh, venues, clubs, and festivals. So at the moment, we have 21 members in 17 countries. So in total, we can say that we represent 4,000 venues, clubs, and festivals. Uh, What's important to know in Europe is that culture is not a European competence. It's a national competence. Um, This is why we, as a European organization, we rely a lot on our members, which are national uh, organization. We're a network of exchange. They exchange resource on how uh, how is the situation in different countries and how they can help e- each other. So 
it's it's a kind of a solidarity network uh, made of, of of peers exchange. And what's important then is that uh, that there is a national uh, association representing live music venues in every European country, which is not the case at the moment. As I said, uh, we represent 17 countries uh, in Europe at the moment. Uh, this is not all the countries from the European Union. So um, it's it's quite uh, important also to support uh, venues when um, turning these competitive models with other venues, that, which they when they share the same territory, to turn it into um, um, collaborative cooperation processes to form these national uh, associations. Um, on that, we have uh, a tool which is kind of attractive. Uh, we call it the survey. We actually gather the data from the venues uh, thanks to the national association. So we share common criteria on finance, employment um, uh, activities, and we, uh, we, we publish reports about that. And with the COVID crisis, this uh, data was, was very um, important because we were able kind of quickly to measure uh, the loss uh, COVID represented for, for the venues. So this, this is an, uh, an important tool. And what's also um, important in this um, national st structuration is that, as I said, uh, culture is not a European competence. But the European Union will support the recovery of the sector by giving some budget to each member state. And then the member states have to establish how they will provide a share of this budget for which sector. This envelope is not only for culture, it's for all the sectors. So now uh, what we're doing within LiveDMA and with our members is that we are... Um, trying to put some pressure on the member states to be sure that they dedicate at least 2% of the European recovery plans to the cultural and creative sectors. So we as LifeDMA were doing it with the members of the European Parliament, with the people working in the European Commission, but we also need to work with our members nationally so that they can knock at the door of their cultural or um, our European Affairs Minister uh, to to say, hey, we all the different cultural organizations are are requesting or asking you to dedicate at least a fair percentage of these recovery plans to the cultural uh, sectors who suffer still suffer a lot from from this crisis. So um, we're also working on protocols and solutions uh, on reopening venues uh, safely, as Kate mentioned. Um, the thing is that we we exchange a resource on these protocols, but we cannot say that there is one protocol that would fit every venue from uh, different European countries. So the protocols are, mo are mostly something which is done nationally. But uh, we um, we are trying to we're working on a European route map with with the Commission to uh, have the support from the European Commission, um, for instance, on on the calendars uh, for the reopening because some European countries do have perspectives of reopening the venues, 
thanks to vaccination. But in in other countries, in other European countries, there's still no no perspectives at all. So um, we're trying as a European organization also to balance the situation a bit from uh, one region to to another. I can only imagine the challenge that you would have, you know, because we know working like we just referenced with Kate, state to state and how they act differently and and the, could depend on who's the governor, what political party they're in, you know, all these different factors come into play uh, with regard to those reopening guidelines. And, uh, and I can only yeah. imagine dealing with actual different countries and, and how they approach things. And I know in yeah. Louisiana, we're between two states that decided to open way early. And, uh, you know, we wonder here in Louisiana, even though our governor and our mayor in New Orleans has been very good at keeping our numbers in check and we're, you know, smartly reopening, I would say. Um, but I know it's going to be a challenge from that, that, you know, larger 35,000 foot view. Um, Scott, I know we haven't really brought it over to you yet, but um, can you give us a little background on, you know, what you do with 2112 and, and how do you interact in sort of that, I guess, greater Chicago land area and what, what, do, what do y'all have going on up there? Yeah, no, there's uh, there's a lot going on, um, and and you know, we've seen incredible innovation over the last year, and uh, you know to Kate's point as well, I think uh, you know a huge shift towards the understanding that if if we all work together, uh, we're all better off, which has you know been our mindset from the beginning, uh, but we're starting to see it you know between government, nonprofit, um, private sector all working together. Um, you know, a few examples of that: the um, you know the city of Chicago. Um, organized a, uh, a regional network of incubators and innovation hubs. Um, we've had a lot of, of different incubators that are industry specific that have um, kind of popped up over the over the last um, few years, um, and actually organized conversations where we're all working together, we're all sharing resources. Um, you know, making sure that we're not duplicating efforts, making sure that um, you know that that uh, businesses, entrepreneurs, um, you know, creatives, everybody's in the right. Uh, space that's best suited to help them grow you know the city also um you know through that program launched a um uh, announced recently all of their business attraction efforts are, are flowing through um, industry specific um, to the relevant incubators and innovation hubs um you know in, in the region that make the most sense um, so we're seeing a lot more coordinated efforts that you know have led to you know on, on our end with 2112 um, multiple international partnerships in, in the last year um you know we have uh, 14 companies that are joining us um, through the Italian government. Um, uh, it was a joint strategy um, with the city, similar with um, uh, with Ireland that we're going to be announcing soon. Um, and that, that continues to be successful. Um, you know, the on, on the corporate side, um, Comcast, uh, we, we formed a partnership with through the pandemic. And actually the room that I'm sitting in now uh, is the Comcast Business Startup Studio. Um, you know, they they funded the build out of the of the studio, but then we we partnered up with the city, with chambers of commerce, um, and uh, different you know economic development hubs throughout uh, the region. And the space is now made available for free for small businesses throughout uh, the city to come in and create content. Uh, you know, in a, in a time that um, was already needed, but now with um, with the shift to digital and um, you know, through the pandemic, that the the need for content and, and marketing was more important than ever. Um, you know, I think it also opened up um, you know inter international partnerships too. That you know there were a lot of, of 
entities that were aware of each other, um, that worked together, uh, always talked about working together, but, um, you know, the, the shift to virtual, uh, kind of expedited a lot of that. So, you know, the, the last year, year and a half, um, with, uh, Wallifornia Music Tech and, and, uh, Meetum, Meetum Lab, um, G-Beta Music Tech, um, we're all working together. We're all sharing mentors. Um, we're all working together in a, in a similar way that we're doing in Chicago, um, to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that entrepreneurs are supported, um, in a, in a more uniform way. Um, and the last thing, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity to a larger opportunity that we're seeing um, regionally and, and potentially nationally as well. That um, you know, as we're we're understanding the you know the strengths and weaknesses of our of our cities, the more that we can work together, um, you know, and looking at uh, you know Chicago as an example, being surrounded by Milwaukee, Detroit, Indianapolis, St. Louis. Um, that if we all get together, work together, and, and understand uh, what we're focused on. Um, that we can share resources that way and make sure uh, that we're not competing as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And, um, you know, I know that's something that we've seen a little bit of mainly in the tech space in the New Orleans area is sort of those little hubs of activity that can kind of spur development and cross uh, cross collaboration opportunities, whatever. But um, I know we have a contingent from New Orleans coming to visit you tomorrow in Chicago. So I'm sure they'll bring back some great ideas. And, and uh, I know there's examples of the kind of outfits that you've created there in different parts of the country and the world that are something to learn from, for sure. In my region, um, well, you know, backing up a little bit, you know, with regard to COVID, obviously, you know, as Kate mentioned, our industry was definitely, you know, I don't have to tell anybody, was definitely hurt big time. And it's been interesting to watch um, some different organizations kind of spring to life, whether it's, you know, Initiatives like Revs or Neva the, or Nita and and how they've been able to, you know, sort of like been mentioned already, find ways to work together for the common good as opposed to seeing each other as competitors and realizing that we're all in this together. And, and even from, you know, the musicians versus the club owners versus the booking agents and things like that, we we quickly realized that, you know, we definitely need each other, you know, and I think the same kind of thing has been going on in the digital uh, space with regard to, um, you know, the as tech has taken over the music industry in a lot of ways with digital distribution and stuff, it's not that we're, the music community has to really see themselves as partners with the Spotify's and things like that, as opposed to um, having to see themselves as adversaries. So, you know, watching um, the legislation in the United States that's come together over the last few years with the, um, the last year and a half or so, I guess, starting with the CARES Act, when a lot of the different organizations came together to really uh, lobby and pass uh, with the CARES Act that actually included first-time legislation for, you know, the music community and a lot of musicians that would get unemployment that typically would never be eligible for that in the past. And um, and now that we have, um, I guess, the Save Our Stages or um, uh, can't think what's, uh, what is the new? Better Venue Operators yeah. Grant. I knew they changed it on us and I never can remember what the new title is, but um, obviously that just opened. And, you know, I know in Louisiana, for instance, we have, uh, you know, the state is actually trying to help coordinate through our economic development department. Um, I know our Lieutenant governor's office who oversees cultural recreation and tourism wanted to try and kind of create sort of a guidelines for reopening clubs and venues. And I know we've pointed them towards revs and some of the other resources that are out there. So it's really been interesting to see um, 
how we are all sort of coming together, you know, and, you know, some other things that I've been really interested in, because for the Recording Academy, like I cover a five state region. And uh, that includes all of Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, up to St. Louis and Missouri and the Memphis area. And, you know, not that this is a COVID thing, but we've always seen ourselves as this unique corridor of up and down the Mississippi River, which is really where American music began, you know, and, and has, uh, you know, grown to be worldwide, the music that comes out in New Orleans and Memphis and Lafayette, Lewis and things like that. So um, we've been trying to think of other ways to, like, how do we better organize and or uh, find ways to collaborate, whether it's starting up touring networks and things like that. So it's been interesting to learn from the different things that y'all have going. Um, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but especially for the folks from the United States, I know the American Rescue Plan and the funds that are being distributed to states and counties and cities is, is a hot topic for a lot of us. And I know in Louisiana and in New Orleans, I'm working at least in two areas, one of which is our lieutenant governor a month or so ago announced a new Louisiana music trail as a tourism piece, which they've never really looked at music as a as a tourism thing, even though we've got some of the biggest jazz fest, you know, festivals in the world. And there's festivals in a normal year every weekend somewhere in Louisiana. But they never really looked at it as like sending people across the entire state, even though we're 10 years behind Mississippi and 20 years behind Memphis and stuff. So we're trying to think regionally from that perspective. And how can we tap in? and create this network with uh, uh, ARPA money. And then also regionally or more regionally in the New Orleans, greater New Orleans area. Similarly, how can we pull together sort of music industry incubators and things like that, um, that we can that all pull together like a master plan and go after some of that money for more of this, the city level. So I'd be interesting, interested to hear from Scott and or Kate, if y'all are thinking along the same lines in your region, if there's some things that you're looking at that, or proposals or ideas that you're conceptualizing to move into that place uh, uh, in, in, with the, with regard to going after some of the um, American Rescue Plan money. Um, Kate, or you want to jump in if you got any ideas on that? Or Sure. Well, I happen to work directly for the county executive, and he has transmitted a COVID recovery package recently, a $600 million COVID recovery package that has $31 million attributed to, or uh, reserved for the creative sector recovery. So um, as I mentioned, our venues still are not open. Our performing arts organizations are still not open. They all have to figure out not only how to bring their people back, make their venues safe, but also to get poised for touring, right? You can't book a tour this month for next month, right? You all know that's not how touring works. So, so yes, we that is with our county council right now, and we are very hopeful it will be approved so that we can really put some oomph into helping our, our venues and our people and our musicians recover from this terrible pandemic. Sure. Scott? Yeah, no, I think there's a, a huge opportunity for cities that are uh, trying to leverage uh, creative industries for, for economic recovery. Um, and there's been a number of cities that, that we've talked to. Um, you know, I, I think in the past we've seen a lot of uh, kind of piecemeal efforts as funding comes through with, um, you know, research, with economic impact studies, with um, public and private, um, you know, different initiatives that aren't necessarily always in sync, I think. Um, there's a huge opportunity right now with with the funding that's available to create you know a coordinated effort that 
um, you know, includes the, the research design and, and implementation all in, in one strategy. Cool. Um, I know we're just about out of time, so I wanted to give everybody an opportunity to sort of offer some closing comments. Um, you know, I think we could pick any one of these topics that we've kind of just touched on and spend an entire hour, if not more, on it. But um, Audrey, do you want to start with any kind of closing comments for the audience? Or? Yeah, it's hard to to have closing comments. I would have opening comments because yeah there are a lot of well uh, just the closing comments i think that the cooperation is within the different actors of the music industry itself um maybe in europe we also have a kind of different background especially regarding music venues because uh a lot of them are also non-profit uh, organizations so in this case it's also maybe easier to have a cooperative process because there's less uh, financial uh, competition uh but I, i'm also very interested in the cooperation between the music industry and the local governments, uh, you mentioned a bit about it. Uh, in Europe, we're also trying to promote the initiatives where uh, the public authorities work with the venues, for instance, to uh, provide some open airs uh, so that the venues, even if they're closed indoors, they can organize some uh, outdoors uh, activities, especially with the summer coming. And uh, just a final word, I think that, yes, the COVID, I think, has accelerated this cooperation process uh, between the different actors. But we still have one challenge is to go uh, outside our, our boundaries. We've seen it with the management of the crisis that a lot of the solutions do not even depend on the cultural minister, but they depend on the health minister. And these are ministers where we have no contacts or no access because we're kind of used working only within the music industry or only within the cultural sector, which is a little bit broader scope. But we still struggle to to collaborate more with different social um, or else or different different actors. And, and now this is a barrier also in our negotiations regarding the, the management of, of this crisis. Agreed. I know we had the same challenge in Louisiana and we've been actually somewhat successful in engaging the health department and the fire marshals and all those kind of people. Uh, Kate, some closing comments from you? I think we only have seconds left. So let's stick together. Let's lean on each other. Let's reach out to each other. Let's help each other. That's all I've got to say. Thanks, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado, Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors, Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got 
Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.